Hideo Kojima has been a standard bearer for the very best that the gaming medium has to offer, and has inspired many into creating a mature art form. That guy, like, he's, he's such a genius, and uh, I'm just doing whatever he says, you know, and he's like, we're gonna make people cry. I'm like, for a video game? And he's like, yep. What the cause Kojima is the, the master, he's Kasparov of, of, uh, of video games. Then he goes, he goes, and I go, playing me? And he goes, no, they'll be you. It's not, obviously, it's not story-driven in the sense that we go from A to Z, like we do in a film. It is out of time, out of space. It is in the moment. So I think the opportunity of, of doing things we've never done before could be very interesting. He is to gaming in many ways uh, what Cameron or Spielberg are to filmmaking. His absolute passion for perfection and his narrative ambition and scope. There is nothing in his stories that he does not love and feel strongly about. You can see strands of action, strands of manga, anime, tokusatsu, epics, and existential philosophy. He believes, as I do, that we must cherish this medium not only for the entertainment possibilities, but for its artistic ones. We both believe that these things, these strands of pop culture, are actually keys to the mythology of our century. He proves that an altruistic boy's ambition can sing loud and clear above the din of sameness, and that an individual with conviction and faith can manage anything through hard work. It is my great pleasure to introduce a creator, an innovator, and an awesome dude. Ladies and gentlemen, Hideo Kojima! Hello, everyone. I'm back. G'day everyone, and welcome to episode 23 of the Death Stranding Podcast. It is Tuesday, April 10th, 2018, and we have some exciting news. As of this episode, the Death Stranding Podcast will feature two regular hosts. First is Mitchell, our youngling in Colorado, and of course yours truly, in case you forgot the name, it's Eddie. Today we're also joined by the main man Philip out in Germany. How you doing, man? Hey. <laughs> Hi, nice. Uh, yeah, thanks for having me back. Uh, the um, the new host is uh, actually it's pretty nice because now we only have to deal with two time zones, so I can maybe make it more often onto the podcast. Stood up or got up at uh, five a.m. today, so <laughs> nice. Excuse my little grogginess, maybe, but I think I will wake up over the course of the show. <laughs> for sure, for sure. And, and Mitchell, where are you at, man? I want to hear your voice. Me. Yeah, what about me. Hey, Mitchell. <laughs> hey, what's up, guys? Gotta uh, gotta be back here every week. Such a fun thing to record, talk to you guys about Death Stranding, and uh, yeah. Are you excited to be one of the regular hosts with me on this, man? Come on, I I'm stoked. Yeah, I'm <laughs> stoked. It's just that it's a daunting task now. Like before, <laughs> I was like, ah, oh, man, I'll just you know, just as getting comfortable, you know. Ah, uh, I gotcha. I, gotcha. I was getting comfortable and be like, ah, oh, man, I'm like finally fitting in here it's like you're the host now i'm like oh man well you're not gonna be okay. happy with me you're not gonna be happy with me next week because i'm going on vacation next week <laughs> so i am too oh <laughs> we're gonna have to figure that I'm out i'm leaving on saturday oh uh, why we might have to record a second podcast this week ah uh, well we'll talk about that so okay let's continue with this at this point we all know the intro we've heard it before plenty of times on what this podcast is about so for good but for good measure Let's say that our mission is to showcase and celebrate how culturally and philosophically enriching Mr. Kojima's work is, leading up to and following 
Death Stranding's eventual release. So, now that we have that very short, regular rundown out of the way, let's get this started. Nice. Let's I like your new abridged version. Let, let's catch up, guys. So, what, what's been going on this week? Uh, yeah, let's uh, let's start with that. Uh, I think the uh, most interesting thing maybe that happened was that um, I played Way Out with a friend of mine. Or at least we started. Uh, I don't know, did we talk about Way Out uh, last Just very, time, b- very minimally, very minimally. Yeah, Do tell. Yeah. Maybe not even on record, but... Yeah, it's this uh, new, um, this new uh, co-op-only um, game by this this crazy guy. I don't know you. You may have seen him at the Game Awards. Oh, where he, uh, the, 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 the fuck, fuck the Oscars, Oscars guy. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, pretty legendary. Um, yeah, and so far so good. It's it's pretty interesting. It didn't really have the standout moment yet that really made it um, like require the um, the, the co-op. But we'll see. I'm. I'm still. We will continue it this week, I guess. And uh, yeah, let's let's check it. Is out. Is it true that you get to play um, checkers, or no, not checkers? Uh, like Connect Four. Uh, we played horseshoe, uh, horseshoe throwing, and uh, there was baseball. There's a ton of it. Uh, weird. Like tiny, tiny mini. Yeah, games. I heard that there was Connect Four, and that that's just crazy to me. Like how f- ridiculous, but also kind of awesome that you could play Connect Four. Mm. Yeah, it has surprisingly high production value. Hmm. Like he he made the 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 game he made before that was uh, I think Brothers the the indie game. Yeah. Oh Xbox no way! Yeah, game. Tell two sons. And so mm-hmm. uh, yeah, that was pretty simplistic in its art style at least. So and this one is really triple A, huh. or it looks triple A with um, yeah high detailed models and all that. And yeah, and you have to just. Um, pay him respect for the the co-op idea you can like pay uh pay once and just give a copy to your friend so there's really no reason to not do it and Mm. yeah it's couch co-op so i'm already uh, always down for that so yeah Yeah, other than that um yeah i played a bit of this and that went to work had a lot of work (laughs) and that was my week gotcha man what about you mitchell i had a lot of fun i got my identification card you know Ooh. Uh, for uh, a certain identity. event that's coming up you're identifiable uh, in june and i can now prove that system. i'm age of 17 and not under the age of 17 mm. and sneak in to see to see games that are rated m for mature Woo. finally <laughs> you can play you're over the no. hump so, no. <laughs> yeah i've been for for over a year uh no, um, but I'm going, I'm not going, but this week I uh, had D&D again, and we uh, painted our figures, you know, oh, so that was a big thing, uh, got a new group, and we're, not a new group, but we, they're going through the rite of passage, because I've played a few times, and they're, uh, they're, I don't know if you guys play D&D, but, yeah, I used to play, you know, there's that kind of like, Oh, I, yeah, always, like the, I always wanted to, but we never got a group together. Mm. So <laughs> I, I think I made uh, like three characters over my life. <laughs> like, and it, all, it always stopped there. Like, it was always one whole day uh, creating a character, and then everybody lost interest, and then nothing ever came of it. Yeah, so I'd be yeah. up for it. <laughs> right now, I'm taking my, my group through the rite of passage each time, you know. You're doing something a little bit different for each one because we've been playing for since January. Now. Oh wow! 
Mm-hmm. And basically, uh, about a, about a month ago, Are you I took a dungeon special. Monster? Yeah, I'm the DM. Cool. I took my players to this place called Gamers Haven that sells. It's a board game shop, and they do D and D and stuff. And I took mm-hmm. you to the rite of passage, which is getting your own dice. Because I've been providing <laughs> dice for every week. And they finally, okay. they all got to pick their own dice, and they all bought them, and it was all, all fun. Do you have to and carve then, them yourself from a piece of obsidian? <laughs> <laughs> Ch- chisel them out. No, that yeah. wouldn't work. Because they're not, uh, the way it is, it's not temporary. It's just weird. It just, it would not roll correctly. But, I digress. But, you know, and then this week, we got a bunch of figures, and then painted them all. And so it was a lot of fun, you know, doing those little details and stuff. Because I'm, I didn't have any figures because I DM, mm-hmm. so I didn't get mm-hmm. any characters. So I just ended up helping everyone paint theirs. We we didn't finish. We play, we painted from two until wow. eight o'clock. Yeah. So two two p.m. So, till eight p.m. So, so everybody has his own character as a figure, or what? Yeah. Or yeah. did you make um, enemies or what? Yeah, uh, yeah, we had some many uh, enemies and different figures and just random mm-hmm. NPCs that we painted. Uh, two of our people um, weren't able to come, and so they didn't have any figures. To, and so we ended up just painting some of theirs and stuff. And so, uh, yeah. But as our as this part of the campaign's coming to an end, you know, we're I'm doing seasons of this single world that I worked on for about yeah. two months. Um, I mean, put like in season, so we're not like you know doing a power creep. We're just like, oh, a new bad guy just right after they defeated a new mm-hmm. one, you know. Yeah. So I'm gonna do some different campaigns. One of them's like a Lovecraftian, uh, like a mix between Death Stranding, The Order 1886, um, you know, oh, like Victorian cool. Lovecraftian times, you know, with creatures and stuff and like, wow. like, yeah, like that. And so I'm working on that one, the one and then like, Cyber. Uh, sorry. <laughs> You were the one who also uh, wrote the book, right? Like the you had the outline, or yeah, that's my that's my uh, that's my book that I'm writing. Mm. It's a sci-fi Someday book. you have to like give an excerpt of that. Yeah, man, that'd be cool. I'm not a good writer. I'm not really a good writer. I'm really good at world. I think I'm good at world building, but I'm not really good at writing because mm. I'm just uh, it's, I'm very slow and very sloppy. Because like my thing with writing is it's like. When I see when I'm writing something, I hate reading when it's just a bunch of bullshit yeah. in it. You know, like I love the Lord of the Rings books, but at the same time I kind of hate them because I don't need a two pages to describe the setting. Giving me in three or four seconds, I got an imagination. I can understand it. So that's how mm-hmm. I'm kind of writing it. You know, yeah, I don't want any was really moments. In, infamous for that, like yeah. pages long descriptions of yeah. That's nature. like how that's how like Hemingway is mm-hmm. too. Hemingway's like his uh-huh. first two chapters in every book are yeah. just describing the time and the place. I actually mm. kind of enjoy that sometimes. Yeah, that's my biggest problem with him. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. I it's think I, I just uh, yeah, bounced off <laughs> a lot of his books because yeah. I just couldn't get past that. Mm-hmm. Huh. Yeah, but yeah, I'm writing and then I'm doing campaigns and cyberpunk ones and Victorian Lovecraftian ones, so... I'm doing that, um, writing and things like that, preparing for a trip this weekend, going out to Arizona for a week to spend with my uh, grandmother for her 74th birthday. Oh, that's pretty sweet. One of those. 
Oh, cool. it's going to be hot, too. Yeah. That's it's going to be hot, too, my week. over there, man. It is. Ooh. Yeah. Just, yeah, buy a bunch of new shorts because yeah. <laughs> it's all cold up here. I only have pants. For sure. Yeah, but that's about my week. Uh, yeah, man, mine's be been basic. pretty similar to Phillips. You know, the funny thing is, I used to play a lot of D&D when I was in college. Every semester, we had a new campaign. It's just a group of uh, a group of us would play. Oh, cool. And see, I, I'm really I'm really bummed that you I know, never really got to play it. I'm, I, I wanted to ever since I, I read um, mm-hmm. Masters of Doom, like the book about the two... Yeah, man. Um, and, and that's the thing. It's really hard to get a group... State. Like the the creators of Doom, and they they got all of their ideas basically from their D&D yeah. And that's the thing. It, it, not only is it really hard to get a group of people together, but to make sure that they're all consistently there. You know, it, it's it's because a lot of people they they like the idea of making the commitment, but when they realize how much of a commitment it is, they bail. You know, but uh, yeah, yeah, almost right? like a podcast. <laughs> oh, was that a shot at <laughs> me? Oh man, I felt it. Hey, hey. I felt it. <laughs> Nah, but uh, yeah, I had a lot of work. Yeah. Uh, I've still been playing Xenoblade Chronicles 2, just kind of intermittently. I've been pretty busy. I haven't had a lot of time to just sit down and play. Like, I, I still haven't even gotten through the second ending of Nier Automata. So, oh. um, yeah, that's why I'm going on vacation this next week. No, I finished the first ending, but... Yeah, that's not know, really... It's, just, it's, uh, it's not really... It's nothing. Yeah, it's really... It's nothing. Like I realized exactly. that I was doing too many side quests, and I was like, wow, the story is pretty short when you cut out all the side quests. Yeah. So I should have just been doing that, but you know, I'm sure I can breeze through it. It's just mm. hard for me to like go back to similar missions, you know? It's just like, mm. all right, like I've seen this before, and since I'm stepping away from it for a while... I'm gonna go back in and kind of, you know, I think it'll reinvigorate that feeling of wanting to play it because yeah, that's that immediately might be after a good idea. Yeah, after passing it, the you know, two um, B's story, and immediately starting to play nine S's story. Yeah, there I was is, already getting kind of tired. Yeah, there is tired. kind of a lull there because yeah. um, it, it starts pretty yeah. strong and then it gets a bit repetitive. Yeah. But that will pass. I, you just have to uh, force yourself through that kind of low yeah, middle and, part a bit and then yeah and i will and, and this when i go on vacation i was hoping to like do a lot of gaming but i'm actually going to be heading out to um st louis missouri for a okay. week um they have a this is so cool man they have a, they have an adult uh playground like like a jungle <laughs> gym and yeah. like they have one for kids too but like the next floor up they have staircases and monkey bars and all this crazy stuff i'm gonna go check that out and probably drink beer while I'm there. So, Sweet. okay. So real life obligations. No time for games. Uh, kind of, I want to yeah. be outside, yeah. just yeah. for a while. But make sure to bring. Your yeah, I'll take my sippy cup, cup and my poofy jackets because I, I heard it's snowing over there. <laughs> fill it with beer. You know, fill it with uh, <laughs> fill your sippy cup with beer. <laughs> And then go on the jungle gym. I hope. Hopefully, they'll let me do that. It'd be because it, some off. of the pictures I was looking at, it looks pretty dangerous. And don't get me wrong, I like drinking, but if it's dangerous, eh, we'll see. We'll see. I'll, I'll 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 let you guys know how it all goes. Yeah. Good thing you only but need your voice for the podcast. If we come back next, <laughs> hopefully I don't lose it. No, but but let's move on into the news. I mean, the other thing is it's gonna be kind of. <laughs> You know, I, I'm a little mm-hmm. sad that I'm going on vacation because right when I get back, like the day after I get back is the day after God of War finally releases. Hmm. 
So are you guys going to pick that up? Mm-hmm. Um, maybe, probably. Um, I'm kind of, um, like, all my uh, attention for upcoming games is basically, like, uh, completely Death Stranding and Kojima stuff. <laughs> and gotcha. uh, the, the new God of War is so different from the old ones. It's not real. It looks, don't get me wrong, it looks fantastic. And it's uh, it's, like, mega impressive. Um, but it's not really what I'm looking for in a new God of War game, I, I think. <laughs> Maybe I do. So, um, yeah, because it's so radically different and um, his uh, Kratos story, uh, it seemed pretty uh, much finished in the last yeah. one. Like, he killed the whole world. Oh, spoilers. But it's a different... Yeah, it's an interesting premise, at least, for sure. And uh, I will definitely take a good hard look at it but well, it I didn't mean, really catch me out of the it, gate like. so why isn't it hyping you up then because like i remember when i first saw uh, tra- you know the images i was like yeah you know but then when that trailer came out i was a hundred percent in yeah yeah i don't know it's it's oftentimes um just like the the basic themes i guess like uh, kratos as a father figure and uh, in norse mythology it's i'm just not that big of a fantasy guy i think like I'm more of a sci-fi fan, so um, maybe if they made like God of War in the future, I would be all in. <laughs> I'm looking forward to Spider-Man, though. <laughs> oh man, when Wait, Spi- I forgot everything existed on when that Spider-Man yeah, right. footage came out. I've been obsessing yeah. over it. Yeah, yeah. Sony was pretty weird this year with their. They didn't announce any release dates for their games, so you you basically just forgot that they were coming. Mm-hmm. And, they they only now uh, pretty close to release just uh, nailed down a, a date and so it it seems like everything is suddenly here it's pretty cool i think and so yeah what about it's, you Mitchell? you're going to pick up yeah. god of war maybe uh i might pick it up like a month or two after i mean it seems interesting i wasn't a big fan of the first two games but not like i hated them it's just like, it's not like really my biggest interest. They were fun. I, mm. I played one on the PSP. Oh, well, I like them pretty it. much. They're, they're, they're fun, but, but, uh, mm. it's just like not been a huge fan of theirs, but this new one looks interesting and I, uh, might wait a, a while to, to pick it up, you know, mm. cause I'm busy and I'm getting new, uh, I still have games backlogged. No, I still haven't oh, finished man. Bloodborne. At yeah, all. and that one's and you know that one's gonna working, beat you down for a while. Working on stuff, yeah. Like that. You can't keep busy with that. I know. I'm still stuck at the same boss as I was like three weeks ago. I just keep losing to him because I don't have anyone to play with. Cause, like I try to do like randoms, and then they just like, yeah, you know, you know how it goes with random people. Yeah, you can't like sure. talk to him or communicate. So I don't know, man. It's interesting that you guys felt feel that way about God of War. I, I was um. I guess I've always been a fanboy. I've been it, those games have been around for throughout my most of my gaming life, just like Metal Gear. Mm. Um, yeah, I did. Uh, I was also a huge fan of Greek myth growing up. So you know, like I know, like I remember when the Disney Hercules movie came out. Like I yeah. was obsessed with that as a kid, and then when I got older, it's like, well, what really happened with Hercules? And Hercules is fucking crazy. <laughs> like he killed his <laughs> wife and kids in a like. PTSD uh, rage, like he's a he's a nutcase. All of those guys. Yeah, maybe were. maybe that's what's missing in the new one. Like it's it's North mythology now. But then again, I really loved uh, Hellblade. So 
Maybe I just need to watch another trailer and then I'm I'm hype as well. Maybe the the way it is now though, since it's coming out in a week, um, they've been relying heavily on like three things: the uh, the camera work, mm. the new yeah, weapon, which... and Atreus, the kid. They haven't really told us anything else because I'm assuming that they want to hold everything else close to the chest. Because with the old God yeah. of War games, you you know what you were buying. Like you're getting a hack and slash, mm -hmm. like crazy, bloody, ridiculous, awesome game. And this one is, you know, yeah. not that it's more artistic, like but classes. you know, in a way, it it kind of is. It's just like, well, we're gonna take a step back. We're still gonna have a little bit of that brutal stuff, but we have more into it now. And yeah. that, I guess that's, that's... I guess that's weird because I'm used to Kratos just being, you know. I don't give a flying fuck. You're all gonna die, and yeah. that's gonna yeah, the change. The creator actually, he was on the Game Informer show recently, and he he talked about that. Like he was, um, he was in his twenties when he made uh, the first God of Wars, and uh, as uh, as such, they are pretty much uh, immature uh, and mm -hmm. and much more simple. Like uh, this is uh, the guy, and he is he's really really mad, and he's screaming a lot, and now they are all older and more mature and they have kids and so you can see the themes pretty much um, <clears throat> coming over in the new God of War pretty clearly like Kratos is older and has a kid now and has responsibility and is more nuanced and all that so uh, in that sense it's really really interesting yeah and I think that's true of, it, of anyone like especially me now I'm, I'm, I'm 27 I just turned 27 this year mm. and Yay! No, and with that, there's a there's a level of um, what's the word I'm looking for? Like mortality that comes with getting past your <laughs> getting past 25, right? You start real, you start getting more sympathetic to things. So, for example, yeah. uh, a couple of movies or even songs that like I used to listen to as a kid in high school, even in college, they you know I wouldn't bat an eye. It's like whatever, I like the song because it sounds cool, and then. Uh, For example, there's this one song called Dance with the Devil by this rapper Immortal Technique. I've mm -hmm. listened to this song. It's a pretty like crazy song. Uh, I've listened to it my entire life. And I used to listen to it a lot because I, it's, it's essentially a story. A really crazy, really messed up story. And now as an adult, I have a hard time listening to it because it's, it, it causes me pain in a different way that it didn't when I was younger. Okay. So you become more sensitive to things like that. Like, I'll still listen to it. It's not like I've completely, you know, like, oh, I'm too sensitive What's now. What's it about? It's about this kid who grew up in, uh, um, I think it was, maybe it was in New York, but he, he like, you know, low-income housing. He, His mom was a crack fiend, and then she tr tries to get clean, mm, and yeah. he, he turns to gangs, and he starts selling drugs. And it's just literally following his entire life up until the point where mm. he wants oh, to yeah. join this crazy gang that sells cocaine and they in, his initiation is the Jeez. ending of the song and if you listen to it like it'll it'll blow your mind a little bit yeah i really like those uh, narrative driven rap yeah, songs and the, it's like the honestly it's it's one of the story. best songs ever written in my opinion cool. uh, yeah I'll definitely give out. that one a listen if you get a chance but that's the thing like uh, as you get older things like that start to affect you in different ways that they did when you were younger You know, mm -hmm. and same thing with we were talking before uh, before this um, we started recording uh, 1984 by George Orwell. I read that book in high school the first time, and you know I thought like, oh, this is pretty good. It's you know it's like it, it's crazy, Big Brother. And I read it again in college, and I felt different about it. 
it, it's like, wow, this is kind of scary yeah. because it's essentially history repeating itself. And a lot of it is real. And then now as an adult, I'm like, I'm going to reread it again. Uh, a little redundant there. I'm going to reread it and it's probably going to blow my mind all over again in a way. Yeah. It's also like uh, the the time mm -hmm. in uh, when when you read it, like... Oh, um, yeah. It was... Like like now when uh, uh, after the the internet exploded uh, the the whole book uh, reads reads uh, a different way than it did yeah. when we were kids way different like yeah, yeah. 1984 man gotta read it Mitchell gotta read it yeah man Mitchell you really have to it may seem yeah, like um, a bit well, it's been on my radar for a while to you, but that's because every uh, other Film and book and everything stole from there. It was like pretty mm -hmm. formative, I think. It's not like, it's like I never wanted to read it. It's just like I just. It's like you know. It's like you know those like series. Like you buy a DVD of. I'm like, oh, I'm gonna watch yeah. this, but you're kind of like never in the mood to watch it, even though you know it's good. Yeah. That's kind uh, of I am yeah, with 1984. Yeah. Like I've been wanting to read it. That yeah. movie, Dick. <laughs> yeah, that's why they made us. They made us read it in in school. Yeah. yeah, that's why I, I never got to, to read it. In school. Yeah, I had to get through it. I'm surprised they didn't make you read it in school, Mitchell. No, they made me read uh, Fahrenheit 452 or whatever it's called. Oh, 451. Uh, yeah, that one's still pretty good. I it, didn't it's, like it. It's similar. It's similar, but honestly, 451 is more. It, it it's. I don't want to say fantasy, but it's more. It, it's not as realistic. It's not like a hard sci-fi. It's not like a hard sci-fi. You know. Yeah. Well, the thing is, because with Fahrenheit 451, when when it came out, it made more sense, right? Because you're dealing with books, and that was the only way of keeping and storing information. But 1984 is like a step forward into the future, and it's it it's more real for us because of where we are now. <laughs> right. So that that might be a, a that might be why you didn't enjoy Fahrenheit 451 well, no, I just, so much. Because I, I enjoyed it a I lot. It's not the book part or like the themes. It's just more of the writing. It just the writing felt very sloppy and very rushed. Oh, and it felt like it's like more of like the second rough draft, and not the final. You know, it felt like mm. this would be like something like you know I'm going to write a novel in a month kind of deal, and then I edited it once and then like put put it on the internet. You know, like a pretty good yeah. like short story you find online. Not a, a book. It's like I felt the same. I didn't feel the same way, but like To Kill a Mockingbird, you know. Uh, it's not yeah. like I hated the book. I liked the book up until the ending, which didn't make any sense. You know, it was like, I know the message is like, oh, he saved them, you know, and mm -hmm. to to put him into court would to kill a mockingbird. You know, mockingbird does nothing wrong. But then it's just like, well, you you led up to this thing saying like, basically we have to, you know, you're building up Finch as like believing in the true law, you know. Mm. Uh, you know, he's a lawyer and he believes in the law and he believes in proving people innocent or guilty or whatever uh, his mo his motive is, you know, and he wants to make sure, you know, that girl is lying and then go straight into like, no, nah, we're not going to do this. We're not going to report it, you know, it's just mm. like, uh, yeah, I understand that. But like at the same time, it kind of flip flops with the theme of, uh, of someone being unjustfully imprisoned. And then mm. just be like, yeah, we're just not going to report it to the police. You know, it's just like, wait, what? That's like, that's not what I was expecting at all. 
Well, Maybe. that's the thing, man. They're, they're indications of the time, and that's and that'll definitely affect the way you see certain things. And it might even change when you get older, too, because um, when I read for the first time To Kill a Mockingbird, I didn't enjoy it at all uh, for multiple reasons. Not only the style, but just also the, the story kept taking me taking me aback. And I was like, well, you know how, like, this is kind of ridiculous. And then when I reread mm. it, I actually did enjoy it a lot. Same thing with books like Moby Dick. I, I read it in high school, and I liked it, but not enough to be like, eh. You know, I wasn't I wasn't yeah. stoked on it, and I reread it last year, and I and I was blown away. It's easily one of my favorite books yeah. now. Yeah, yeah. A lot of these uh, classic books, they uh, they kind of washed over me as uh, like when I was uh, made to read them in school, mm -hmm. and uh, only later when I realized like uh, why we were made to read them, uh, they they kind of grew on me because they were actually like the first the first books that that came up with uh, uh, certain themes like. Um, Uh, I don't have uh, a specific example right on top of my head, but um, like some some pieces of media like came up with uh, specific themes, and those get then repeated over and over. And uh, even though the because you you often like you um, you get introduced to a specific theme by a derivative work, and so to read the original seems a bit mm -hmm. underwhelming to you then after that yeah. i think you know what i, I think mean? one of the like you know on the theme of death stranding i think one of the strands that connects a lot of these books together a lot of these classics is that you're dealing with uh questionable solutions right you're, you're dealing with these ideas mm -hmm. that you're doing either what's right what's easy or what the law says is right so for example You're dealing with somebody who was falsely imprisoned. Like, well, they were imprisoned under the law. The law has, it's broken, right? Like, that's a, that's that's very much a theme within itself. Like, the law is broken, and we need to do something about that. But at the same time, people will uphold yes. the law tooth and nail. And then on top of that, doing the right thing should, is killing someone okay? Sometimes people argue that it's never okay. And then with books like 1984, it's just like, well, you know, under the regime that exists in that book, The main character is doing his job and he's doing the right thing based on those standards. But then he does something that's mm -hmm. completely against the regime because he wanted to do it. Not because it was right or wrong, because it's what he wanted. And it's that level of dignity that comes with um, choice, right? And that's one of the, that's another yeah, theme, choice being taken away from you. And slavery, right. and it's very close akin to like indentured servitude but in different ways because slavery has a lot of different definitions when you start looking into the gray areas so uh, and that's what's really fun about all of these classics that you, you start noticing that you know when you revisit them so just don't feel discouraged mm -hmm. well no it's just like there's also uh, i think there's a movie <laughs> you could watch just the movie for there's a movie really? no Yeah, I think so. Like, uh, it was an 80s oh, movie. Shit. I, I distinctly recall it. I'll have to watch that. What are you doing? But I'm recording the podcast. Let's see. <laughs> Not that I'm talking out of my ass here. It probably is. But, wait, so let's talk about Spider-Man for a little bit, guys. Jesus Christ. Did that surprise... Yep. Came out in 1984. How funny. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> That's really funny. Funny joke. How, sur no, uh, how, yeah. how surprised were you guys for Spider-Man? Um, uh, surprised? Not much, but um, 
looking forward. Like it's, uh, it will be cool to see if it's actually like a, a good comic uh, game. Like most of these, um, we all know, like the the licensed games always were like kind of yeah. subpar. Uh, I kind of disagree. Spider-Man games are actually held in high regard, but um, not all of them. And now it's, uh, it seems like they are really trying their hardest. Mm-hmm. Like Marvel yeah. themselves, like trying to get good developers to make good games and taking their time and not just like um, throw something out uh, to tie in with a movie. Um, it's it's by Insomniac, yeah. right? Yeah, but it's 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 yeah. not so. Marvel. Marvel's not doing anything with this. It's, this is Sony. Yeah, well, they are they are giving out the, yeah. the licenses and they're consulting. And, uh, in the past, they have been like. Whatever, just uh, a decent cheap. <laughs> what games have they recently been licensed out for? Like superhero games, I don't really remember much. Uh, their cur- Square Enix is currently like working on Avengers, so Square Enix is doing that. Mm. Yeah, yeah. There's a ton. There's really a ton. Like it's mostly mobile games these days, but mm. there were like X Men games and Deadpool games well, yeah. and all that. Like there's so much that you don't even really notice it because it just flies under yeah. the radar. I think there was like. I don't know. You know, even some MMO. Yeah, what's surprising about that? Like, I played the Captain America First Avenger game on the PS3. That was actually a really fun oh. game. <laughs> yeah, they had they had something going there for a little bit, like the the Wolverine oh, yeah, game. That one was, was pretty good. Oh yeah, I mean, it was a lot of fun. It was, uh, yeah, like like a solid sevens out of ten. But that was like the best they yeah. could do. Yeah, well, and yeah. I think. Yeah, as I said, the the Spider-Man games, especially mm-hmm. Spider-Man Two or something, they were like really good. Um, but yeah, they they are like fifteen years old now. That's crazy. So yeah, this new one looks looks phenomenal. Um, the the thing that that like uh, hypes me up the most is that they uh, they really put some work into the motion system. Like they try to make it so that you mm-hmm. never stop. Like you, you don't like swing and then you you splat against the building and just lose all momentum, mm-hmm. which isn't fun. Uh, so yeah. they they have like animations for for everything. Like when you when you're about to hit a ladder or a fire escape, uh, he Spidey he weaves through the bars and all that, and the game is calculating that uh, all the time in the background. So it looks fluid and it feels good. Mm-hmm. Uh, sounds sounds pretty awesome. Like I could. I couldn't care less about the story yeah. and all that, but um, having having that in there, I think you are even playing like as Mary Jane for some mm-hmm. portion of the game and everything. Mm-hmm. So it, I'm sure it will be pretty epic. But all the story and cutscenes and stuff, it will be just icing on the cake. I just want a, a New York swinging simulator, and that's that's all it. That's all I need. Yeah. So if they go along the route, uh, one thing. Oh. Yeah. Sorry. So I was just saying, if they go along the route of the Arkham games, you know, and they just create it, you know, like, what what would it be like to play as Batman? Because before then, we didn't get a single good Batman game. Mm. I mean, there's, like, fun ones on the NES, like, but they're, like, scribe scrollers, and you, like, punch people. Like, <laughs> yeah. The Batman, the Arkham games are really good because it's just, like, you know, uh, as everyone said, I mean, you feel like Batman, you know. I know that's a common thing that yeah. everyone said, but you really did, you know. Hiding, you know, sneaking out, getting people, going under fence and stuff. I got really got the feeling of what Batman was, especially Arkham City, uh, Arkham uh, Asylum. The other games kind of right, drifted right. off, and they weren't the same. But at least Arkham Asylum was amazing with its sense of going around a tight space and knocking out all these people. And 
Mm. Uh, it was like a kind of like a Metroidvania kind of feel to it, you know, expanding the world. Mm-hmm. And with this one, yeah, if totally. it's as fun, the Spider-Man game, if it's as fun as to like just swing around, that's the biggest thing for me. Yeah, I could care less yeah, about the yeah, combat. I, I think they I care less about the story. If I can spend twenty minutes playing a game, just swinging around New York, just like beating up random people. You know, random villains just like stop cars and just like run around doing nothing. You know, for twenty minutes, I mean that's fun. If it's fun to move around, you know, then they got it right. Like Spider-Man Two, I think it was yeah. the licensed Spider-Man Two. The game was the, half the time I didn't even play the game on like our Xbox or whatever we played it on. We just swing around the entire city, just like that's what we would do. Just swing around the city and just do that forever. You know, yeah. and we didn't really care about anything else. It was just fun, just be Spider-Man and just like fight random people or whatever. Yeah, it was the ultimate. It was the ultimate playground. <laughs> and Spider-Man Two was one of my all-time favorite games on that PS2. And here's the thing: I played that game so much, I got to like ninety-nine point seven percent of completion on that game. Wow! I was, I was two <laughs> challenges away from completing the game a hundred percent. And I had heard a. I remember somebody right. started a rumor that. If you get a hundred percent, you get to play as Doc Ock or something like that. And, oh, and really? was, that was my goal. Like that was the ultimate goal for me. And I never achieved that goal. I never got that hundred percent. And I even heard other rumors that if the people that did get a hundred percent, their the game crashed, like their game save was corrupted. And I was like, what the hell? And like, and I was just <laughs> confused. Like, should I do this? Should I not do this? And I had so much fun just swinging around. I spent yeah. countless hours swinging off of helicopters mm-hmm. and trying to do a slingshot from a helicopter in a building like it was it was because you could do that um mm-hmm. but one of the things that i'm uh, did you ever research I did, it like what what i happens did when you nobody has 100%. there's no footage of anyone ever reaching 100 percent well that doesn't sound right like, is it a bug huh? or what no one's i it doesn't sound right no one's ever seen any footage of it ever. i don't think so i went i I maybe like it was maybe it was like two or three years ago where I looked it up online and I couldn't find a single YouTube video. I couldn't find a single GameFAQ article or anything. Uh, Are we starting our own creepy pasta okay. about this game? You know, <laughs> yeah. Is this the yeah, new Polybius? You know? I'll get back to you on this one, man. I'm I'm definitely gonna look it up. But one of my biggest issues, one of my issues, one of my biggest worries with the new Spider-Man game is one of the things I didn't like about Spider-Man 2 and it's if you're swinging over a building and you go too high you can't shoot a web line like you can't shoot a web line to a pole mm. or to um, you know something below you it always has to be above you or next to you and I th- mm-hmm. yeah, yeah no, they, they're, they're addressing this cover. and I'm really I, uh, excited about that because that's not only going to stop you from well it's going to keep you from stopping <laughs> But it's just the idea to have that <laughs> much control. It's gonna be freaking sweet. Mm-hmm. Plus costumes, hell yeah. Yeah. I just didn't. I wish they had like the they like classic spider. I want I want like if they have. I don't know if they've revealed all the skins, but like I really want like, a classic like comic book Spider Man. Yeah. You know. Very like very like, simple. And then I really the want like thingies under his armpits. Yeah, like that stuff. Mm. But I also kind of want. Yeah, I will have all the suits. Like one that's like, like cosplay one, where it's like a really like 
cheaply made, you know, <laughs> yeah. like made on like Amazon. Like, it doesn't really fit him all the way, Spider-Man. you know, like it's kind of tearing around uh, along the seams. And he's just like, I'm Spider Man. <laughs> he's like flying across the street, <laughs> webs everywhere in this like fake costume. And it's like all torn up and yeah, you know there's one I really there's one costume fun. I really want and I don't know if you guys have seen this but there's this um back when Vine was still a thing there's this guy who says it's Wednesday my dudes in a in front of a mirror and he's wearing oh, yeah. those like Dude, little goggles yeah. and the spidey suit mm. I really want them to do that like if they just have Spider-Man with the little goggles and like half of his suit I really hope they do that they probably won't but it would be really cool if somebody mods it maybe do it an Easter egg. Yeah, Jimmy is here. Oh, man, so funny. He, he just goes in the mirror and goes, It is Wednesday, my dudes. Uh, I remember. Uh, one question. Is uh, is Spider-Man a PlayStation 4 exclusive? It's, they, uh, it's it a PlayStation time, 4 exclusive. Exclusive. Nope. exclusive. Okay, completely. For all, all time. time. For all time. Okay. Well, Sony owns the rights to Spider-Man, so I don't know why they, they would put it on Xbox. Yeah, plus they, they wouldn't make more money on Xbox anyway. Mm-hmm. You know, they just wouldn't. Oh, <laughs> uh, well, I think Spider-Man can yeah, sell a definitely. few games. Um, yeah, but okay. it's about attachment rate of consoles. Uh, yeah. So we, we are getting into the uh, into the time where uh, I still have, like, the, uh, the, the baseline PlayStation. And I'm kind of getting a bit worried that uh, games like God of War and Spider-Man, that they will, like... Um, yeah, like stutter and not look as fine as the uh, PlayStation uh, Pro variant. PlayStation Pro doesn't have a boosted guys, CPU. Yeah, it it doesn't. It's only a, just a, it's an overclock chipset with uh, a boosted GPU, basically yeah. because they can't change the CPU because it's a different architect system, you know, and it's a different chipset. So basically, they just overclock the chipset, you know, put more heat sinks on it and more fans and that's yeah, why it's so and, loud and, and the uh, gpus can be switched yeah. out easier and basically if it's on the pro it won't be any better than it would be on the original it's just better uh you know uh yeah you, know, you, you just you get it. a slightly yeah, better less, resolution less and, and slightly that. better frame rates depending on the situation because like i i got i ended up buying mm. a ps4 pro um and i have a 4k tv and it is relatively okay. noticeable when I transitioned, I was playing like Rise of the Tomb Raider, and it is it is very much noticeable dependent mm. on the modes that the games allow. So because Rise of the Tomb Raider, when I first played it, was just on the regular base PS4, and I didn't have that option to choose performance mode or the high resolution mode at first. Switching to the Pro, like you really do notice that, and I I I prefer frame rate over resolution any day. Um, and the PS4 yep, Pro same. absolutely does that. It is just enough. Yeah, uh, it has just enough power to make you to help you feel that better sense of fluidity. So, albeit it's not so much, but it's. Mm-hmm. It, I think it's worth yeah. it okay. if you're like either coming into it new or if you would, you have an old system you want to get rid of. Yeah, just because I play on PC normally, and so I'm really like. Uh, I'm really adamant about having like the the smoothest frame rate and the highest resolutions, and I can do that on PC. But uh, the yeah. the PlayStation seems to be getting a bit long in the tooth, and I'm I really would kick myself if I couldn't like enjoy Death Stranding in the highest fidelity possible. So I don't know. Maybe I will need to upgrade <laughs> sooner or later. But that's the thing. Like I don't know if Death Stranding is gonna come to. Well, it's gonna be a PlayStation exclusive. I don't think it'll be on. 
PC. Are you alluding to PlayStation 5 no. now? Uh, well, here's the thing. Like that, Actually, that's a perfect segue into this. Games like Spider-Man and God of War and even Death Stranding, a lot of these developers, they're pushing the limits of the PS4 Pro. Uh, and we exactly. got that from Spider-Man. And when this mm -hmm. happens, it's a pretty good indication of when the next console cycle mm -hmm. is going to start. Yeah. When, Isn't that crazy yeah. that we're already mm -hmm. at the tail end of the console cycle? Yeah. I mean, I, I feel like it just... Mm -hmm. They were here like three, three years or something. Talks, yeah, and it's been six. It's already been five. Yeah, it's almost, it's almost six, yeah. going on six, and that's what's crazy because um, that's what happened with GTA Five on the PS3, um, right. and like Metal Gear Solid mm -hmm. Five and Last of Us. Last yeah, of us. That, that those were the titles that defined it. Metal Gear Solid Five was a little bit different. Metal Gear Solid Five was a little bit different because it launched. Yeah, both but it of was them. it was built with well, the intention to be on the, the PS3 and on the PS4, so it wasn't really pushing the boundaries mm -hmm. of the PS4. It's just more of the PS3. Mm. Um, but because it pushed those boundaries, mm. it's like okay, well, let's move on from the PS3 and finally navigate to the PS4 because we got that power and hardware now. Mm. So I'm pretty sure. Actually, yeah. when I it's like when I think about it, I would uh, it would kind of please me if uh, if if death. Uh, Death Stranding. Oh, damn, it's so hard to say in German. Um, if it was like a, a cross-gen title, like it would be uh, on both PlayStation 4 and 5. Because I've, I've kind of have a, a soft spot for like uh, end-of-the-generation games that really push the hardware to their absolute limit. Yeah, me too. And even yeah. if it wouldn't, uh, if it, yeah. even if it uh, obviously would look worse than the PS5 version, I would enjoy playing it on my uh, old trusty ps4 and just uh, yeah just marvel at what they managed to squeeze out of well it. i guess we could just end it um, on, on that one that just you know we're excited for spider-man yay we can perfect segue <laughs> into our next topic which is george miller right yeah george so miller. uh i've seen a Kojima's influence and yeah there's a lot of influence that i've seen but i, I want to see what you guys have to say Wait, wait, I got, good, yeah. I got a perfect segue. So, yeah, Spider-Man's good, you know, and uh, especially the there are some good ports from, you know, the PS2, and now this new game's great adaptation of it, just like uh, the newest PSN uh, Plus title, Mad Max. Oh, That's great. Yes. Uh, I, I, dude, I platinumed that game so fast. I freaking, I freaking love I Mad Max. Yeah, it seems pretty. Yeah. The game must be pretty, pretty sweet, right? Yeah, it, it's freaking sweet. Yeah, I played a little bit, but but it's it's a really good. It feels just like Mad Max, you know. It feels just like yeah. uh, the movies. The aesthetic, and, the combat you know, is like super. Which heavy is kind of a and, you know it's brutal. Mm -hmm. It's great. It's like kind of the Arkham arcadey combat, but as we talk about Mad Max, let's talk about the director of the Mad Max series, oh, George Miller. George Miller. <laughs> So, how many of his yeah. movies have you guys seen? Yeah. Uh, I've seen three, I guess. <laughs> so, not not all that many, but uh, I'd like to think that uh, I saw the important ones, namely uh, Mad Max 2. On um, Mitchell's recommendation, I, um, I, I, I watched it last night. <laughs> nice. And, uh, of course, I watched uh, Fury Road. I uh, I would say most uh, most of our younger audiences may that may have been the the introduction to George Miller, mm -hmm. and uh, as a kid I watched uh, the the Babe movie. <laughs> 
it's, been uh, here. Yeah. <laughs> uh, strange to think, but uh, yeah, George Miller actually he uh, directed the, the the Little Pig movie, and um, so and, he, and he has a wide range too. of uh, yeah of work. Yeah, Mitchell, <laughs> what'd you say? Happy Feet. <laughs> Happy Feet one and That's two. So crazy Don't to me. The sequel. Yeah. Waiting, waiting like, for the third it? one. Waiting for that <laughs> Mad Max, Max and over. Happy Feet. <laughs> Maybe it would be yeah. Happy Max, yeah, instead of Mad Max. That's a bit of a reach mm-hmm. there. Lame. Sorry, guys. You can you can boot me off. You can boot me mad, off. Now. Mad feet. I don't know. Okay. Uh, welcome back to the podcast. I'm your new co. Uh, I'm your new host, Mitchell, filling for Eddie, who uh, has to leave the podcast unfortunately <laughs> due to pad bad. Uh, yeah, no, but bad speech. A shitty joke. Just kidding. Let, let's talk a bit about uh, about George Miller. Well, so he's uh, Kojima uh, named him like, uh, or he he named him as a as a big influence, yeah. I guess. And so he's now it's um, it's like when when Fury Road came out, he uh, he couldn't like stop himself. Like every t- other tweet was like about Fury yeah. Road and all that. And uh, I think. Um, so, so George Miller, he, he made the Mad Max series. It was a low-budget um, post-apocalyptic movie, or at least the second one. The first one, it's uh, it's actually it's so low-budget that he didn't yeah. even he couldn't even afford the wasteland. So he just uh, set it in the near future where there are biker gangs and lots of violence and cool mm-hmm. car stunts and. But the have you seen it? Uh, the first one I have seen in yeah. parts, so I I wouldn't really say that I have seen it. So I I, I got the gist of it. Let's say. Yeah. And basically, just right before you know, if you match Mad Max Fury Road, which I I assume a lot of you have, it's like right before the tipping point, like on right before the verge of apocalypse. Yeah. Basically, when when Mad goes down. Max is a police officer. Yeah. Max is a, a police officer, and then a biker gang. Uh, I don't know. This is the plot of the thing, so I'm not gonna try to spoil it. But something happens, and the gang hurts someone he knows, and so he goes on a plot of revenge. Yeah. You know, of killing all these gang members right before the apocalypse is about to start. Yeah, yeah the the plot is actually uh, all the Mad Max films seem to have a pretty simple plot, and that's actually the beauty of them. I find. That it's uh, it's mm-hmm. really uh, like screenwriting uh, or at least story writing at its most simplest but most elegant too, and um, we always have like this uh, loner hero and he he pretty much always wants to just be left alone but gets roped into a situation and has to solve it and um, yeah I think these uh, like the the Mad Max series it really got uh, Josh Miller. Uh, on the map and started and um, like the oh Gibson too this was oh, his yeah. first big film yeah. but there's something to yeah. say and he's he's Australian yeah. like the, the the movies were made in Australia so I I, I really like the picture mm-hmm. I have in my mind that he just uh, like took a camera and some junker cars and just uh, made <laughs> made this this low budget movie somewhere in the outback where they that's why it's actually why it's set in the wasteland because it's uh, like they have a lot of desert mm-hmm. there, I guess. <laughs> so that that's mm-hmm. that comes easy. Yeah, and just to and, just to think uh, about the influences though that yeah. Kojima takes. I mean, when I saw Mad Max in theaters, exactly. I was I was blown away, and it's it's a stark yeah. difference from Mad Max to Road Warrior and 
the original Mad Max. When did you see it in... Oh, you mean Fury Road in the yeah, theater? Yeah, and it's because... Yeah. Oh, right, okay. Okay, I'll let you mean the first no, one. Like, I, they're all <laughs> I so... Like, I mean, the first the two are vastly different from Fury Road, is really what I'm trying to say. And you think I think so. so. I mean, and yet... Like, I think the Mad Max 2 is like... Uh, uh, Fury Road is pretty much a carbon yeah, copy a of, of Mad Max 2. No, I, it's not. And I, I because you, you I think about you know the revenge plot, okay, and maybe I'm just uh, thinking about the tank. <laughs> <laughs> well, when you th when you think about the yeah. revenge plot, and Fury Road is more of an escape plot. It's not so much a revenge plot until you know it's it's really hard to describe Fury Road because the 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 revenge mm -hmm. isn't well, sought. You know, the revenge isn't like what what they're seeking actively in the f whole film. Mm -hmm. In in other films, in, in, like even. I think in Road Warrior was he's seeking that revenge, uh, and he's not seeking revenge in Road Warrior. No, like I I watched it yeah. yesterday, so I yeah, the first one it's pretty fresh revenge. in my mind. <laughs> so here I can give a synopsis because I've just watched all of them like two weeks okay. ago. So you um, the Mad Max one yes. is the plot of revenge, and basically Mad Max two is being caught in a in a basically similar to Fury Road in the sense of Basically, this group is being attacked by this other group, and they want to get away, and so he just agrees to help them for gas, but then he kind of grows attached to them, and like knowing them, mm -hmm. you know, wants to help them out, because right. he thinks they're good, um, similar to Fury Road. And then 3 is kind of weird, um, I didn't really like it that much. It has Tina Turner, Basically, so that's cool. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh... Well, I then, mean, yeah, yeah. Then, then I was, then I was mixing so it up. So basically, he goes to this, yeah, yeah. And then three, it's basically he goes to this place to get his stuff back because a merchant stole it, who was the guy in the sec uh, previous film. And then he has to kill this guy uh, who runs Barter Town off methane gas from pigs. And then he has to kill him, but then he finds out whatever. And it's just, and then he goes to the desert and then he like, finds all these kids who think he's a god. And it's like, it's just really, it wasn't as mm. exciting as the second one. Mm. It was okay, but it wasn't just, it wasn't like as good as. Fury Road yeah, or, it's it's pretty uh, um, pretty much a late eighties movie. I actually find it pretty similar to the Evil Dead series, like with the um, very low budget mm. first entry uh, and then the the classic second entry with uh, Evil Dead Two, and then the third one kind of is a late eighties one, and it gets kind of goofy and. Uh, the the age rating was lowered, so you can't show as much hardcore blood or stunts, and I, it it pretty much mirrors the Mad Max series I find. And now they even have like the reboot with the uh, TV series, which is pretty cool. <laughs> you know, one of the things I I want to say and, about these uh, movies though, it's it, like one of the bigger, well, like one of the small things I notice, um, and, and this is true of just based on when these films were made. The old Mad Max films in the, you know, what, 79 and 81, in the 80s, they, the facial expressions that the characters made were a lot more, like, gritty and obvious than Fury Road was, in a weird way. They, they you know, mm -hmm. George Miller focused a lot on the characters' eyes in Fury Road, not so much in the other ones, if I remember correctly. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, Mel Gibson mm -hmm. was pretty yeah. stoic yeah. in Mad Max 2, <laughs> but uh, his the supporting cast was pretty goofy. Yeah, that's true. So, yeah, like the 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 copter guy oh, is, like, was also pretty goofy. Basically, all the time yeah. comic relief. 
Yeah, and I think that Kojima's oh, yeah, taking a lot of influence from Fury Road, especially because there's a lot of imagery of people's close-ups on faces and eyes that he's been using in his trailers. Oh, so yeah. I think there's I think there's a lot to say there that he's definitely heavily influenced by George Miller's uh, Fury Road, just because of that. Mm. Yeah, and he mm-hmm. is. Um, yeah, if we want to go to like influences, I. I saw a pretty big visual influence uh, from Mad Max too. Like the um, there is this uh, this epic uh, panorama where where Mad Max is looking over uh, a hill into the um, like the the camp oh, where yeah. they have the the fuel and all that, and that's uh, like shot for shot. It's the same as uh, Camp Omega in um, in like yeah. Metal Gear Solid Five, uh, and he is mm-hmm. uh, he's like. Uh, inspired i think also by the cinematography of uh, like he's it it's kind of seems like he's using similar lenses if that makes sense like the the, the lens flares yeah. and all that is uh, is pretty uh, pretty much inspired i think by the 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 shots of of mad max too especially and now what yeah. part uh, i think his his new directing style i think it has mm. to go with um children of men which had a lot of like very very long, long takes, you know, mm-hmm. and so which are you know single cuts, mm-hmm. you know, where there's like ten minute scenes of just oh, yeah, straight up sounds good perfectness. And so I think that, and I think his friendship with uh, uh, what's his name, J.J. Abrams. He's a good friend with J.J. Yeah. Uh, Abrams, mm-hmm. you know. And so I think that might have been where he got the last <laughs> players from, because you know it's they're nice they're touch. big they're big yeah. friends, you know. Kojima he. J.J. Abrams even put uh, Death Stranding, not Death Stranding, uh, Metal Gear Solid Easter eggs into uh, the movie, really? to uh, The Force Awakens. What? Yeah. What, what? Did you not see that big, the big thing, you know? Oh, the arm, the red arm. Yeah. Oh, right, yeah. C-3PO. Mm, yeah, maybe. And then also there's, there's an alien that says That's Kojima funny. in it. So. What do you think? What, you th- what part of Happy Feet do you think is going to influence Death Stranding? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well... Well, you see the miss the 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 main character is a little misunderstood. You know, he he has a dream, <laughs> yeah. and it can't be fulfilled. Yeah. And and the rest of his, uh, but, the world is uh, outcasts him into, you know, like get out of here. We don't like you. We don't like this dancing thing. You but do. but seriously, I and he goes off and he finds this new something... group. I am being serious. <laughs> okay, you know? and then continue. And basically, <laughs> he goes and he goes and he finds these people. You know. Uh, that, that accept him and he's like you know and he learns how to dance and mm-hmm. he learns how to become himself you know and it's kind of like uh, I, I think it might be mirroring maybe what Sam is you know maybe Sam you know uh, he, he might be a, a bit of an outcast maybe because he has a special connection to the baby and maybe he's kind of like a a synth uh, like a replicant in Blade Runner where he's just an outcast from society okay. and within the porters <laughs> what <laughs> You don't like me uh, I, making I a synopsis between... I can't tell you if you're serious or not feet. anymore. I <laughs> know, <laughs> <laughs> I'm okay. completely kidding. No, but, um, yeah, talking about the... Uh, it's um, like like he... Uh, George Miller, he, he made a few other films like between... Um, uh, between Mad Max and uh, and Babe, but let's, let's concentrate on the ones we actually know... Um, he made he made Babe in mm-hmm. 1995, and then uh, basically yeah, like uh, Babe Two <laughs> in 1998, 
and then uh, yeah happy feet and happy feet too and the the cool thing is or maybe um the the interesting thing is that he actually he won academy awards for both of them and um it it seems so strange that this uh, action metal guy with the like like mad max is so hardcore and so so gritty and brutal and cool that that this guy would do like these yeah basically children's films and be damn good at it too see and that's the cool so, thing about um, it too though because it's it's he he's able to do that and with babe i remember watching that as a kid and i man i remember loving that movie and it's again kind of to you know nod back at sure. what mitchell was saying it's somebody who's understood and then you know you get attached to that character and they they try to do something that they're you know that they want and they're seeking out that goal and it's you know the trope of every children's you know book tv show movie whatever you want to call it but what's crazy about this is because he won academy awards is where is he getting this like vastly different momentum right because he's doing action movies and then he makes something so small and because mm. because babe is relatively small to mad max Did he... relatively and to achieve something because he you has two in, different goals well in, i mean i mean it's just a, his goal his, his goal for mad max is huge drama action right. when babe is very you know more close to home so he, clearly he understands mm. something about how mm-hmm. characterization works about building not necessarily this not only this world but the the situation that these characters in are, are in um yeah I just uh, I just realized he actually uh, wrote uh, Babe too, like he was writer for for Babe and Happy Feet. He wrote Mad Max and wow. uh, directed it, but it's the same for for Babe and uh, Happy Feet too. So it it really is like, uh, and he was even producer. So so it's like uh, it's like Kojima esque levels of co- control and creative yeah. uh, freedom in these projects, which is crazy to me I, I i was was under the impression that he was like that mad max was like his his baby and his like his passion project and then he got roped into uh, hollywood and had to use other people's ip and just do work for hire basically but no it's like um that's just what he did yeah. at that point in time i maybe it it, it loops back into like the uh, god of war thing where he just kind of matured a bit and maybe he yeah he got he maybe. became a father or something i don't know and just wanted to make like a like movies for his children or just and pretty much he may just be like a, a really uh, diverse guy and um yeah i think i so, think that's uh, yeah i guess my my argument kind of mm. uh, falls apart a bit because uh, my my big point i wanted to make was uh, that uh, maybe it kind of uh, kojima is like um influenced by him uh, because they are, their story uh, mirrors uh, uh, it's, itself a bit in that um, Josh Miller came back to Mad Max eventually in uh, 2015 with Fury Road and it, it kind of seemed to us nerds at least and us Mad Max fans it seemed like the return of the king like uh, after all those uh, mm-hmm. children's movies he, he finally came back and oh man he still got it and it's an epic masterpiece and george miller's back and, uh, that's cool but um and that that kind of reminded me of of kojima with uh, like going independent and after years of 
having to work with uh, this IP that he doesn't own, like Metal Gear, and he has to like create it. And he he has success with it, but he does his heart isn't really in it. And now he finally can go back to what he really wants to do with uh, Death Stranding. But um, yeah, no. Miller was. Yeah. Uh, it, I really hope that him. Kojima <laughs> so, starts at some yeah. point like a, a Japanese anime. Like if he creates an anime, I really want to see what that would look like. Nah, he wouldn't do that. He but just, if he would, you know, like we can dream. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Didn't he like direct the cutscenes in uh, in in, in uh, Zone of the Enders too? No, he he directed those games. Uh, no, he was no, director. He was just producer, right? Yeah, he was director of two. Yeah, he's writer, director, and then producer. Oh, cool. Yeah. Because there are pretty extensive uh, cutscenes, mm-hmm. uh, anime cutscenes mm-hmm. in Zone of the And Enders Zone of the Enders 2 was pretty good. Like, be, I thought it was an excellent idea. See, yeah. It was just really hard to pull off with the hardware back then. I feel like a modern take on it would be amazing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. Because it, it, it was super clunky and there was a lot to learn. Mm-hmm. Especially um, with the 3D space of... Uh, you mean uh, Enders 1 or uh, two? 2? Number 1 is really slow. There's not a lot much that happens. Because okay. I, I, I played 1 and it's super clunky and you spend a lot of time kind of grinding. Um, and, it, and it gets boring because you're looking at the same yeah. areas pretty much the entire time. You move to like 3 different areas and then you're done. Mm-hmm. Um, but Zone of the Enders 2, you start yeah. off with this huge epic opening where you have like this big ass fucking mech. And it, it's freaking awesome. Oh, so cool. But you... You have this, this like this, yeah, and uh, it's limited mech. by the PS2 hardware, and you can mm-hmm. and you can feel that. You can literally feel that when you're holding the remote. Mm-hmm. So, hmm. I, I found yeah. it pretty impressive, actually, like graphically, aesthetically, and technically too. And they have the the uh, yeah, HD and I, I replayed the the remasters, and you know, I, I still mm. enjoyed them, but I cared at that point. I cared more about you know, shooting stuff, then I cared about the narrative. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I think there's, with Kojima and his, uh, it's just interesting to see him, you know, go from something like Sons of Enders and Boktai and those business games he's directed for some reason. Uh, mm-hmm. Metal Gear. He has, yeah, he directed like a, <laughs> like a trilogy of business games and like how the stock market works on the DS. What? Yeah, it's really weird. Really? On the DS? That has recent. Yeah, Why don't I know about that? There was no, like, directed by Hideo Kojima. It was more of, like, I guess a side thing that he did. I don't know, that was funny. But he, yeah. he you know, he was a really busy guy, Jeez. if you look at his timeline, you know. I can bring it up here, but basically yeah. he spent a lot, of, a lot of time uh, directing games in between Metal Gears. He's, like, a very... Uh, serious person and he takes all his projects very well and you know Metal Gear Solid was a bit goofy you know yeah and he but wanted he, out of there for sure though like that's a pretty good indication of like yeah. he wanted to get out of there yeah I, I, well around Metal Gear Solid 2 he he didn't mm. want to build the games anymore he thought the story was told yeah you know, and, and, and was, the, 2 would have been a perfect ending honestly you know and like setting up this world you know of and I, I love 4 I love 4 it's one of my, it's my favorite Metal Gear game for like the story wise, you know, yeah, not gameplay wise, but uh, it's a great story. Mm. End off the story, but you could t- tell like he still put a lot of passion into it. And then with five, he just didn't want to make a Metal Gear game anymore, and that was obvious. 
He didn't want to make it anymore. He wanted yeah. to do something like PT That's my or too. even a no like a Zone of Enderkiss game or a new IP entirely, simply because they just made him keep making it. You know the story around Metal Gear Solid Four. Yeah. People were sending him death threats, telling him he needs to finish yeah. the series. I'm like that's that should never be the workplace that you have to work in. Yeah. You know what I mean. Like your fans are insulting you and saying that you're gonna they're gonna shoot they like, shoot you or kill you if you're not gonna make a a, a video game. It's like yeah, and like people are just so entitled. Like they need to like take a chill pill and relax a little bit because that's you're not entitled to his work at all. Mm-hmm. Not until you pay yeah. for it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. But- I think with five, okay. he really dra- he so, really shifted um, his directing style, his cutscenes, his writing, you know, uh, you know everything in gameplay and mm. uh, how the world works, and he changed it all up simply because I think he just didn't want to make a Metal Gear game anymore, and he tried to form fit Metal Gear into a genre I didn't belong into, and you know, uh, and you can totally yeah. tell that with the game. Like this game is a lot of fun, but it doesn't make any sense as Metal Gear. Like it doesn't. Feel it doesn't really look, and it doesn't really, uh, you know, story wise, like it doesn't really even feel like a Metal Gear game. Yeah, you know, Metal Gear for me is there's a big base, and you gotta infiltrate it, and then fight a bunch of crazy bosses, you know, and then you find out some crazy story that unravels about the base, and you've been tricked the whole time, and then five, like the only one that we got that was the prequel. Uh, infi- uh, what's it called? Uh, Ground Zeroes. You know, that was the only thing we got for it. Mm. You know, yeah, I, I agree. Uh, yeah, it's uh, Metal Gear Five is at its best when it's uh, in the uh, narrative missions, like the yeah, yeah. the beginning and the end, basically, <laughs> where they are more directed and uh, actually are interrupted by cutscenes and all that. That's what we want because we always want what we yeah. know. Man, Ground Zeroes, though, like, that was, albeit though it was a demo, a glorified demo, it was, Mm -hmm. it it was amazing just on, Mm -hmm. on narrative alone, because, you know, spoiler alert, when you, when you get, um, when you get to Paz, finally, and getting her into the chopper, like, that scene was pretty freaking real, you know, and that is, yeah, mm -hmm. I was actually pretty offended by it after, because, as I said, like, uh, Peace Walker is my uh, absolute favorite Metal Gear, and like the uh, both characters uh, that tie back to to Peace Walker get like killed off in the most gruesome way in the first half hour of Metal Gear Solid Five. Then yeah. basically, mm-hmm. I was like, "What the hell are you Seriously, doing?" Seriously, yeah, like that. Like if you if you don't need the characters in your story, then just because they don't really serve any purpose, they are just there to yeah, like tie them a bit together the games, but. Um, they could just uh, have attacked uh, Mother Base without any of the Paz and Chico stuff. But that's what's crazy, so, right? Like, they not only did um, they die, but that whole... The way it all went down was crazy because it, it got that, you mm-hmm. know, that, that reaction out of everybody. Um, and then to get our hands mm-hmm. on the Phantom yeah, Pain, it's just, like, ne- nothing <laughs> remotely close to that raw happened in the Phantom yeah. Pain. And it's just, like, what yeah. could have been, right? It, it's just... It, Ground Zeroes should have been just been its own game, really. Like, yeah, I 100 yeah. agree with you. You know, that's true. So maybe maybe Kojima uh, liked Fury Road uh, so much because he saw that, uh, like, 
if if uh, George Miller can can do it and uh, make his uh, if he still got it then maybe I well, still got it and can make like <laughs> something great again. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, yeah, I don't know. Here. I'm I'm kind of reaching here, but no, uh, I think you're. I, uh, I I just wonder if we want to go come back uh, to Fury Road, or if we have anything more to say about Fury Road, because um, I think we we kind of glossed over well, it. The thing about Fury Road is that the the story isn't so much about Max; it's about Furiosa yeah. and you know the the other women. Women. Um, Max is just, in a way, he he's a pl he's a plot driver just as much as he is the driver for a really long time. Mm. And what's really interesting about that, uh, I think, is his character was still compelling, even though he didn't speak yeah. hardly at all, and he was just doing unlike, things. Right, unlike Big Boss in Metal Gear Solid Five, who was mm. pretty similar to Mad Max, I find. Yeah. Uh, in mm -hmm. character, but uh, I had never really connected with him in the way I connected with Max in Fury yeah. Road. And there was one scene, there's only one tiny scene that they gave us in one of the trailers where Big Boss, Big Boss had a little tiny resemblance to Mad Max in that case. When the um, mm -hmm. it, when they're at Mother Base and all the soldiers are fighting in the rain and he gets the knife and like to stab him in a, you know, because he pulled out a knife on one of his comrades. And then he right, forces yeah. it onto himself. It's just like, well, like that was that could have been a very powerful scene if we had already connected to that big boss, but we didn't. So it was just like, like that's mm -hmm. cool. We get it. He's pretty badass, but whatever. Like we forgot about it right mm -hmm. after he pulls out the knife. We forget about it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, and, and that's the thing. Like it, with, we might get something close to that with Sam and Death Stranding because it definitely feels that way. Yeah, well, uh, he, like he's yeah, a he's yeah, a man yeah. of few words, but at the same time, you know, he he has already said a lot just with his facial expressions. Or maybe we'll get that from the villain in, or Mads Mikkelsen in this case, because it definitely mm. yeah, Sam, Sam is definitely a vo more vulnerable, vul help yeah, me out, vulnerable. <laughs> a vulnerable yeah. character uh, than 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 Big Boss. Uh, if only because he doesn't have all the narrative baggage uh, behind mm -hmm. him of being like the super soldier of all time. Um, so that uh, and and uh, Kojima he intentionally showed him naked in the first trailer, so uh, to make a statement of like this is kind of a weaker He's character exposed. and uh, more vu vulnerable. Yeah, yeah, exactly. and and same thing yeah. with Max. Kind of I could see him. Yeah. yeah, yeah, I could see him like taking cues from from Fury Road in that like. Uh, kind of a, a hurt character, uh, but still cool. Yeah. And, well, that's uh, one of the things that I was also looking at. That we we keep toying around with this idea. There's going to be a female protagonist. Is that is that going to be whoever it's going to be? Is it going to be a mirror of Furiosa? You know, are we going to have mm. that side by side conflicting protagonists with Sam and whoever this woman is going to be? Yeah, I hope so. it, it would be really cool yeah, because to Kojima is des desperately needs uh, like a, a better female protagonist, yeah. or especially least, after uh, Quiet side Oof. character. Mm. Uh, yeah, mm. like just yeah. Uh, I'm I'm not even talking about like the sexualization, but just someone who actually has uh, some some plot relevance or something to do. Well, that's what I mean. Or, yeah, that's yeah, what I mean. Exactly. Like she did not have a lot of plot relevance besides the fact that she was carrying that stupid parasite. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That was her only and, thing. Yeah, and that she loved him, 
you know, uh, or whatever. But yeah, I feel like if and, she and wasn't was in the, the game, the game wouldn't be any different if she wasn't there. It wouldn't have been because it's literally just three missions. Yeah, and it, it was it's, it was great missions, but uh, yeah, I yeah. But you know what? The, the funny thing is, now that we're on this topic, um, somebody wrote this comic of like the end of MGS Five, the beginning of Metal Gear. Okay. I don't know if you guys read this. It's, oh it's, yeah, yeah. It, I, yeah, I the one where she, yeah, where Big Boss is actually dying, and he's like t- talking on the radio, and he sees quiet. Like that was actually a pretty profound. Uh, oh, like that would have been yeah. a great ending. Oh, mm-hmm. like where like the comic where like he like calls, real Big Boss calls. What's his name? As he's like dying on the floor. Yeah. Oh yeah, I remember that one. Yeah, yeah like that's a ve- that was a very that would have been the, like the most wonderful ending if we got the game we were supposed to be <laughs> getting. If that makes sense, but. Um, yeah, no, the uh, the quiet missions actually were the high point for me in Metal Gear Solid Five. Like uh, the, at least the ending, it 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 kind of hit me emotionally. So, I I have to give him credit there. It it wasn't yeah. perfect, and like Fury Road shows how um, how it can be done. Like you can, uh, and it's tricky. It's it's really tricky to to really write compelling characters, and I think. Uh, with uh, with five, Kojima was still figuring it out because he he changed his directorial style pretty profoundly with yeah. these uh, amazingly long one shots. And uh, I think um, now that he he basically uh, had to convey like emotions and character interaction in in one long shot instead of just writing it and then a codec call happens, where it's basically a radio drama. Um, mm-hmm. That's uh, yeah, you can you could kind of see the rough edges there it, it seems like um, he, he had this new technique and he was still kind of trying it out and kind of lingering on uh, some things a bit too long like yeah. uh, slow motion and all that and doesn't okay. it look cool and so he uh, I think Death, yeah. Stra- uh, Death Stranding will be um, like the refined version of that Yeah, and I mean I have to already... disagree with you a little bit okay. just because he, I think he has it down, but you're right. He, he, I think he just didn't have enough time with the Fox engine and enough time to develop mm. the game for what it was supposed to be. Uh, and for these characters, especially a character like Quiet, because we only got to hear her talk a little bit. And when she did talk, like we, we know all that mess. But yeah. when I think back to Metal Gear Solid 3 and with Eva's character, you know, mm. she, I was, she was easily my second favorite character in that and, and the boss yeah. too he wrote two extremely compelling yeah, that's true. female that's, characters that's really in yeah, Metal Gear Solid 3 in 4 you know how she evolved from like oh, oh yeah Meryl was like, badass and then like changing, hmm. changing this character who's like can take care of herself and she doesn't rely on anyone it's like whenever like it's just like you know I just quietly went like put up my fist and went, shook my head and like yeah I'm into this <laughs> this is awesome yeah, you know? like he's capable yeah. of doing it. Yeah. It's just the matter of he I didn't have the time with MGS Five. Yeah, no, yeah, I disagree with right. that too. Now that I'm thinking about it, uh, he I, he had pretty cool female characters. That's absolutely yeah. true. I, you know, yeah, Quiet's definitely like probably one of the worst male gear characters that I've ever seen. Mm. But I think that with the dialogue, I think it was just a change in his style. You know, I think I think it's just writing style and directing style because it's more about the facial expression and the. And the, the, the conveyance through face and by a few words, you know. Yeah. And I think that's just a change in who he was. Because if you if you uh, play, um, what's it called? Ground Zeroes. It's like, 
uh, it's like one of the old Metal Gear games. You know, you got that long like kind of dialogue explaining what's happening, and you have the gameplay and the boss talking. And he was actually talking. There was dialogue between the characters, and it was pretty well. I wasn't like swishing back and forth, you know. And it kind of like well did dialogue between the characters with you know like that because it's really difficult to write dialogue from a single shot. But he did it really well in Ground Zeroes, mm, you know, with yeah. voiceovers but and then conversations like face to face, you know. And then in five, it's just like Big Boss doesn't talk anymore. He just says, "Cause." Yeah, like in like, yeah. in in particular, like the scene where he has to infiltrate the the sick bay. Where mm -hmm. he, uh, where the the virus broke out, and oh, yeah. you have like uh, because it's like the one shot. It's like Miller says, like you oh, you have to get in there and rescue all the dudes, and um, then there is like a whole thirty seconds where you just follow Big Boss, putting on his gas gas mask and um, like going into the airlock and all that, and it's it's no joke like 30 seconds and then he says like yeah <laughs> or something like that so there there are really strange pauses in in the dialogue because of the new one shot format well no and, it's not uh, the one shot formats that it's just more of how he writes now the way he writes is he doesn't he didn't want uh big boss to have long cutscenes. you know he wanted to have to convey it through the face convey it through the short dialogue Mm. You know, and that's what he's kind of going for with Death Stranding. It's not a lot of dialogue. It's more about the shots and the cinematography, which I can respect. I, I love good cinematography, and I, yeah. and I think that we won't get any more long, like forty-minute cutscenes of characters just saying exposition anymore. I think it's more about the emotion behind things and the feelings behind it rather than the actual information. Mm. You think, think he can help himself? Yeah, I think he can help himself by creating better dialogue and you know mm -hmm. we don't need no, i mean there will be uh, surely there will be like uh, some kind of collectible audio logs or something where he can just dump exposition yeah <laughs> I, i don't think he can help himself with that like there yeah. will be like I what is time for and uh, yeah. then you get like uh, the audio log of the researcher that uh, he, he knows exactly what time fall is and ex explains it yeah. to you in like but 10 minutes long that's no, getting lectures. dangerous too though that's getting really dangerous to do in games because the last time i remember that was super compelling um you know when you're reading mm. uh like a book in a certain game or for example bioshock when you're yeah, playing BioShock. through those games you have all of those like recorded little audio logs right Right. And in the first one, they were really compelling. The second one, I didn't even bother. The th in Infinite, I listened to some of them, but I didn't listen to all of them. I, I, you start to get tired of them. Mm -hmm. And it, I, to agree with Mitchell that it definitely has to do with the dialogue and how things are being written at this point. Because um, depending on the perspective that you're playing it in and also the kind of player that, you, that it's confronting the game... What better way to convey the story than with having, like, just showing it instead of telling it? Yeah. If you want the details, you get the audio logs that you and I want, but to get the main story and to get really the the general feel is set by that cinematography and that mm. sense of, like, urgency that, like, in Fury Road, for example, they have, it's quiet half the time, but they still have that looming sense of urgency in that freaking truck, you know? Because yeah. you can feel that tension just by looking at their faces. Mm. And mm -hmm. he's and I agree with Mitch when he's saying that like I think we're like you guys are both right in this whole thing because 
not only does he want to include that dialogue like on the side, but when he's focusing on these facial expressions, it's a huge difference when you're looking at Metal Gear Solid Five and Metal Gear Solid Three, because Metal Gear Solid Three is very dialogue heavy. There's a lot going on, but with Five, he does try to use facial expressions a lot, but it's just not that it wasn't done well. It's just that it wasn't done enough. Yeah. Yeah. Because they he didn't you you can't really see their faces a lot, and the faces that you do see are like quiets and causes and mm. ocelots and big boss's face you know it's it it's you know you're behind it half the time yeah. so maybe that's why he's going with uh, big actors this time because he really wants the nuances to come out oh yeah maybe yeah well i'm just i feel like the dialogue and the, like the, there are audio tapes in peace walker and stuff mm-hmm. you know like mm. But I feel like a lot of the Peace Walker ones were like, kind of like, you know, silly little things like the Kojima's a God, the Macaroons, and things like that, you know, it's just like silly yeah. little tapes. I feel like Metal Gear Solid 5, like, to get the full story, you have to listen to all the tapes and the background of yeah. what they did, and just like... That was frustrating. I, I, felt, I felt rushed and sloppy, you know? If you yeah, want me to understand, like, if I didn't listen to those tapes, I wouldn't even know who... Uh, I still don't even know who, uh, what's his name is, Skull, Skullface is. I don't even know who he is. Yeah, nobody but does. He's a, yeah. He was just some guy. He's a Bulgarian he guy, guy who worked around. in the, he was Why does he hate Big Boss? He was just it doesn't make of, any sense. Yeah, he was just part of the cleanup crew after Big Boss's messes. So why does he hate Big Boss then? It doesn't make any sense. I don't yeah. like, it's like no motivation. <laughs> he's just like, uh, I feel like he was like, like, villain is this, does this, then dies. Yeah. And like, that's how he wrote the character. And that death was freaking And then he lame. didn't finish writing it out. Like, what, what? what's his motivation besides he doesn't like Big Boss? Like, yeah, he didn't have any something about character. his language. You no, know, it was about like, language, but, like, that's not, like, that's not compelling. Like, why would he try to kill Big Boss then? Yeah, like, it's a cool you know, idea, but about... it's just, it was not, it, 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 again, it, it, I think it has to do with the time that he was allotted. Yeah, mm. I feel like if it, if you know the the if he gave him like more of a a kind of story where he's like, uh, you know maybe you know Big Boss represents something that he hates or Big Boss is representing you know and his ideologies are conflicting you know yeah maybe that's why he feels like Big Boss is a threat and maybe yeah. that's why it was but just we don't revenge even get inception that. it was revenge inception. <laughs> that's really what it was they wanted revenge for nothing and then Big Boss wanted revenge I was like it didn't make any sense and he's yeah. really poorly written same thing with Quiet and Cause. I feel like all the characters mm-hmm. are just terribly written in Metal Gear Solid 5 yeah. and, which is can start different from Ground Zeroes which yeah. had amazing writing in the characters so I don't even know what happens like doesn't make any sense it's like okay this year we get a really good game and this next year we get a longer game but not well written. Yeah, and I agree that, I that, that Ground Zeroes is way better, too, because he does that well. He shows you exactly what he needs to show you, and you see their facial expressions exactly the way you need to see them. And if you want the details of how they got there, you listen to the tapes, right? Because you, And we get told most of it yeah, beforehand. Yeah, you, know? you figure it out, because when he talks to Chico, and he's like, where's Paz? And like, oh, they've got her. And you get a little bit of information, but just enough where you know what happened, but you just don't know the details. So then you seek those people. Ground Zeroes was uh, always supposed to be part of the whole package. Oh, like, yeah. uh, Konami just, just spun it out uh, and sold it as a separate product to recoup some money. Yeah. yeah. So uh, it was always supposed to be like the tanker chapter of Metal Gear Solid 5. Yeah, yeah which makes sense. Oh. 
Um, but I feel but like... But yeah, it's obvious that they finished the Ground Zeroes first, obviously, because it came out earlier. And uh, then uh, all the production troubles with, uh, yeah, like Kojima Productions and Konami and all that, that only affected uh, Metal Gear Solid Five. So... It, mm -hmm. it kind of makes sense that Ground Zeroes is the more polished product of the two. Yeah. I think. Yeah. I think. I think. Actually, I might change my. I'm, I. I might change my answer. I think Ground Zeroes is my favorite Metal Gear. Oh. <laughs> uh, four is great, you know, but That's, I feel like five yeah. is like the perfect balance between classic mm. Metal Gear and the new style, and I think it works perfectly. I and then he's, agree yeah. with you too. I feel like. I feel like if they did it, kind of like they, if he wrote it, kind of like. You know, he got to get into this facility and find her, but oh no, it's kind of like a maze of a facility. It's a big facility with big open areas, you know? Mm -hmm. And then he has to find her, and along the way, it's like a new Cobra unit or a new Fox unit is being made there with yeah. the testing soldiers, you know? The, the prefix using parasites to create these new super soldiers, you know? And that's the <laughs> prefix to uh, nanomachines, which would lead perfectly into there, you know? And then you go into this facility, you find all these bosses, and then escape, and then, you know, you kind of learn who Skullface is and why he motiv why his motivations are a certain way. You know what's strange about so Ground like, Zeroes, though? Like now that I think about it, hmm. in Ground Zeroes, I was legitimately scared while trying to infiltrate that base. In Phantom Pain, you don't feel that fear at all. Yeah, I think because mm. you have no place to run in Ground Zeroes. Because the map is so small, and it's all the base... So you you always feel like you, yeah, you're already in the thick of it, and in in Afghanistan and all that, uh, if you got spotted, you could always just uh, jump into a jeep and drive away, and nobody would care. Yeah, and uh, it's uh, I think that's the that's the reason too, because uh, the um, like the small map size, there's uh, something to be said about like a, a small contained map size that you can really like put all the love in and all the details and. Um, I hope that he's he's going in a similar way for uh, Death Stranding, so that yeah. the the world won't be as expansive as maybe Afghanistan uh, or Africa. Or, I mean, Africa was already uh, smaller, so uh, that's uh, there. There there needs to be like uh, I think it would be great if it was like a smaller space, but it was like filled out more. Yeah, I have a question. Sense. What do you guys think the world's going to be like? Do you think it's going to be like a, mm. I fear, like yeah, a I fear big, for big, a big, huge map, like like a big, huge map with multiple areas and like different kind of things, you know, like most open world games. Or do you think it's gonna be more along the Destiny kind of approach of like five different smaller worlds, you know, that kind of amount to one big world, you know, like maybe mm. you have, maybe there's a world where it's like Normandy, France, you know, or maybe one world that like kind of like the future on like whatever. And then maybe oh, one's on, like, an island or yeah. whatever, you know, like, kind of like different kinds yeah. of settings. And, like, kind I of really smaller, like but, like, kind of, I really, because I've been playing a lot of Metroid in Castlevania recently. I've really gotten to Metroidvania games recently. And I kind mm. of hope the game is kind of like that, you know? Yeah. As you understand yeah. the world better, they start getting bigger and unlocking more, and you start understanding yeah. it, you know? I'm... That's what the small I, world. I agree with you on that. Yeah, like, I totally agree. I'm I'm imagining that he'll pull sort of what he did in Metal Gear Solid Four, where you different you visit different areas, but they're relatively big areas for their mm -hmm. own purposes. You know, because at one point you're in Paris and yeah. another point you're in Africa, and you're doing all of these different things in different areas, and they're big enough where you can explore and have fun in there in, within those respective realms. Yeah, I'd like to see that. Mm -hmm. That would, that be, would perfect. be perfect. Yeah, I hope it's yeah. that. 
So basically, like a bunch yeah. of different Ground Zeroes. Yeah, maps, that would you know? be freaking sweet. Yeah, exactly. But like, kind of like a little bit bigger than Ground Zeroes, maybe like twice the size, or maybe four times the size, because like mm-hmm. the map of Afghanistan was like tw- like twenty to thirty times the size. And the thing is, is it's too empty. Yeah. There's nothing to do in there. Exactly. Yeah. And I feel like if they do like maybe two to four times the size of the Ground Zeroes map of Camp Omega, and just like filled mm. it with tons of stuff, and do like ten of those, like different settings and stuff. And you kind of, like, understand how they work and, like, unlock new things, like, kind of like the old Zelda games, you know? Like, Ocarina of Time, like, you start getting bigger and bigger as you went along. Or a Metroid game where you start in a small area and you have, like, these different little areas, but then they start expanding as you learn new powers. And this map just becomes sprawling and huge. I feel like if they do something kind of like that, or, like, kind of like Bloodborne, how it kind of, like, opens up. It's not the biggest game, you know? No. Same with Dark Souls. They're, like, massive open-world games, but they're... You know, you yeah. maybe find a shortcut, well, and then it maybe helps you find very, a new area. Are, uh, the Souls games are very tight, well-thought-out worlds, and I think Kojima's finally has the ability to do that uh, with Death Stranding, but I, I hope so, too, because so. if it's one giant, massive open world, I don't know how how happy I'll be with that because of the formula. You know, it, you have Red Dead Redemption, you have Grand Theft Auto, you have in this in Spider-Man, you know, that you have all of these things that you have to take into account when creating an open world game. And the thing about uh, Metal Gear Solid Five is that you had tanks, you had cars, you had horseback, and that was fine. But because there was so little happening, none of that stuff was fun. Mm-hmm. You know, because with Grand Theft Auto, yeah. yeah, you're driving a car, but you're running through traffic lights. You're hitting people, and the cops are chasing you. It's constantly you're getting you're getting feedback yeah. from the world, right? The world's alive. The world's alive. And I think the problem with Metal Gear Solid Five is that basically every mission was basically its own little small world, yeah. you know? You can choose where to land, and then you infiltrate the mission again, and then you never go to that zone again, you know? Yeah. If he just did you it mission-based where you could just choose your location where you drop and had no open world, and just had mission-based, and you could just like choose Walker. where you drop. Like, yeah, like Peace Walker. The game would yeah. be no different. No, there was no need for it to be open world, yeah. and maybe yeah, they can uh, do something like Peace Walker, or, or like, you know, I think that's why Ground Zero was so much fun yeah. to play with, because it was so tightly created, like the like the Dark Souls or Bloodborne games. They're so yeah, you tightly really made. Got a sense of mastery mm-hmm. about the map. Yeah, and I think that with Ground Zero, like that was perfect. You know, you would go in the car, or try to, you could infiltrate and leave all the time and like figure out different ways to do stuff you know maybe call a helicopter here maybe there and it was small and fun to play around with and I've played it like 30 times already and I love that game and I feel mm. like if they did something like that with it just a small like pretty like a few small open world areas and not like massively open world places like Afghanistan and uh, Africa I feel like I could have been I can the death training would be a lot better but if it's a large open world map this is not a big deal as long as they fill it with something to do. As long as they don't it, fill it, it with icons. It seems pretty hard to fill up, uh, actually, like the, at least the environment we saw in uh, Trader 3. With mm-hmm. the, it's basically a barren mm-hmm. wasteland. Uh, Which is no, Afghanistan. Not even vegetation, and it's just big craters. And um, I'm not sure if, if there's really a lot to, to fill out there. And so... I really, I really like your uh, idea with the smaller, multiple open worlds, and basically, uh, Metal Gear Solid Five had a similar structure anyway, like with Camp Omega, Afghanistan, and uh, Africa. 
It's mm-hmm. only that uh, Africa and Afghanistan were too big and they should mm-hmm. have been scaled down and then there should have been more settings. So, yeah, more yeah. things to do. Because yeah. I feel like if it's just like, uh, make it open world if it makes sense to be open world. Mm-hmm. Mm. Yeah, I was really, um, my, my eyebrows perked up when he said that a Death Stranding would be open world with vehicles because yeah. the trailers make it look yeah. so narrative driven and yeah. so like yeah basically a movie <laughs> which i don't i think that that can work yeah the the small open world concept mitchell's small open world tm seems like the way to go i hope kojima listens to the podcast which yeah. there are games that do it but like not well like there's destiny that did it but Destiny's a huge mess of a game that didn't work out yeah. at all but yeah. i feel like yeah with this project i feel like he has the opportunity to do it very well. You know, because I don't understand how the beach in the first trailer and how the, the you know, mountain in the big ditch, uh, the crater area matches up with the with the Normandy bridges mm. and skeletons. Like, I don't understand how these worlds connect. Yeah. You know, and I, I the only thing that can, like, I can probably formulate in my brain right now is that they're not in the same area. They're in different areas. They're different maps. Yeah. But I don't know. Maybe or that's just got me. dimensionally squashed together or something. Oh, that's <laughs> I another don't know. Thing I recently it? played uh, Obduction, the uh, Cyan uh, game mm-hmm. from What's Makers of Mist. Uh, Obduction. And it's it's like the, uh, the new game from the Makers of Mist. And they had like this interesting concept where it's basically it's uh, spheres, uh, like, I don't know, 200... 200 meter wide spheres or something um, of of world basically and they all got squished together by some kind of interdimensional travel thing so you you had a world that was composed of smaller chunks of a big world and it's it's really fascinating they really did a good job with that so you can like walk around in a desert and suddenly there's a house there but the house is only half of the house because it was cut off by oh, the shit. dimension sphere so you can go mm. into the backside because it's open there, and then you see like I don't know a mine sh- mine shaft, and you see a, a train station and all that, and all blends together perfectly. Yeah, that's pretty cool. But wow. I don't think he will do like some dimension thing because he already has the time fall thing. So yeah. <laughs> enough yeah. is enough. Well, um, I think like, I think that it might be reasonable to say like kind of like. Maybe the worlds mash together because of black hole. Mm. You know, maybe the maybe the maybe Earth ran into a black hole, then everything got really condensed, and that's the world yeah. or whatever. I don't know. Yeah. But uh, I have a question um, before we log off because yeah. we're getting real close to the end. What do you guys think that we're when Death Stranding will be released? When you what, what's your theory <laughs> of when it will be released? The million dollar question again. Yeah. Uh, Age-old question. Late twenty nineteen. That's my bet. I'm thinking spring 2019, but that's like the earliest. Yeah. I think I think Did spring you... 2019. Hmm. Well, I have supporting evidence here. On oh, why well, I what's, believe show that. your work? What's the okay. evidence? Yeah. Oh, I, I'll, I'll, put, I'll give you guys the link to the to the image. There you go. There's my. There's the image of uh, oh. why I believe. So you're looking uh, at the I made track this record. Okay. Have you seen this? Ah, uh, yeah. Yeah. Didn't you already uh, like 
lay that out one time? I don't. Maybe. I honestly don't think that he would risk releasing this holiday 2018. Because for all we know, I should I should be spring 2019. And I uh, I realized that afterwards, but I mm. think spring 2019, like maybe in March or April 2019. I agree with that. And, and the thing is, we have, I think Kojima's definitely going to keep in mind when this game releases as far as the uh, com- competition goes. Because Spider-Man this year, I doubt it's going to release this year, not because of Spider-Man alone, but also when is Last of Us 2 going to come out? That is a huge contender. Mm-hmm. Um, and they want to space out the games enough. Mm-hmm. At least Sony does. They want to space the games out enough where people can not only purchase them, but also prepare for the holiday season. Because mm-hmm. Spider-Man alone is going to be a huge hit for the holidays. Every little kid and his dad is going to want to play Spider-Man yeah. in the holidays. Yeah. And I, I don't think it's even like a financial concern right now. It's just the game has to be done first. <laughs> I don't yeah. think he's even... If he, even if he wanted, he wouldn't be in the position to yeah. just But like it. even even if the game went gold over the summer, yeah. I don't think... I think he would wait to release it till 2019. Mm. Uh, just like how Anthem got delayed. Oh, not because Jesus. of it. It's not done, yeah. but... Because yeah. it's, it's they did want to release it at a better time, not like Anthem they did with Titanfall too. Yeah, it's probably gonna suck. I was like, oh, maybe yeah, I'm hyped for this. Like, and like it's, after it's, you hear more and more stuff, it's like, okay, never mind. It's still it's still EA. Yeah, it's still, I learned uh, the hard way. I learned the hard way with Mass Effect Andromeda. I'm gonna wait. Well, well, actually, EA actually doesn't have a lot of con- they don't have a lot of control over anyone. The but only thing that they have for each person to do is make this amount of money, and that's it. And the mm-hmm. thing is, is that was just made by a bunch of incompetent developers who don't know anything about. Yeah, but that's what design. I. But, but that's what I mean. Is just like I'd rather wait, wait for the reviews, mm-hmm. and then kind of scope it out before getting it. Like yeah. that's the thing about committing to a new IP. You know, you're taking that yeah, risk. Yeah, the, the tragic thing is that Bioware, as it is, like the studio is is fucked either way. Like if if the game bombs, they get closed, and if it's like the most successful thing ever, then they will be like the. Uh, then they will make this game for the rest of their lives. <laughs> so yeah. Yeah. we will never get a good Spyware RPG ever again, just no, no matter what happens. <laughs> it's just Spyware is done. <laughs> yeah, yeah, one way or the other. And that's, that's kind of I tragic. I feel like, back onto Death Stranding, I think Kojima is very, uh, a certain way with it, you know? And he says he, I don't know how true the whole 2019 before 2019 thing, I think he just said that as just a general rough kind of estimate. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But I feel like most of the time he's, I don't know, what, I feel like 5 is the only game he delayed. Yeah. yeah. I feel like, um, I think that was just delayed because of the, sh- the shakeup in uh, Konami. Mm-hmm. And he's just not delaying it, but basically they gave him a new deadline and then he had to delay it from that new deadline. Yeah. But yeah, I think uh, when he... Did did he delay it at all? Like publicly delay the game? Yeah, that was sort like of. A, yeah, was it was like supposed a news thing. I remember. Yeah, like, it was supposed to come out in um, in March of like what twenty fifteen or something like that. Okay. But then it didn't. Yeah. So, so there there was a technical delay. Yeah. Yeah, I think Kojima yeah. can can talk with pretty uh, big confidence about uh, the re- release date of uh, his game because he is. Uh, he has uh, ultimate control over it. He yeah. he can say he one, when team. it's done. He knows uh, his team. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. And he he can like uh, uh, say what has to be done, and he can say when it's done. So uh, he can pretty mm-hmm. much uh, say with confidence when it will come out because yeah, he can just 
look at it and say it's ready or not. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. And yeah, he's, so he's obviously a good planner enough, because yeah. he's always like the producer too. Yeah. So yeah, the script's already written and the, the story script and you know. Yeah. Do you think that uh, with his newest uh, stuff, his newest, re- I think this should be like kind of like the last little topic we can go. Do you think that the the what they're recording right now, in uh, uh, in L.A. right now? Yeah, Max Mikkelsen is in L.A. right now. Did you see mm-hmm. that? Yeah, with uh, Kojima. Oh. Exactly. Yeah, there's uh, like Twitter is, Do you think uh, that, is on yeah. fire again. <laughs> Do you think that this what they're filming right now will be the next trailer? Mm, or you feel like it's just a general cutscene because when we saw planning for the newest trailer mm. that happened like back in March of yeah. the year I would before. hope that like, he is actually like in full production for the game and then the next trailer would uh, will be like a cut of uh, cutscenes from the game itself it's not uh, I feel like the, the la- last three trailers were like specifically made as trailers and later retrofitted into the game and so I, I would I would think that uh, right now he's in full production for the game itself. So yeah, what I agree we see Philip. here is uh, is actual actual things. Uh, the the most interesting thing I want to uh, like just to uh, s- uh, yeah I want to talk about sorry um, is the the one picture of Mats Mikkelsen in the mocap studio. He has yeah. no suit on yet, but uh, he is handling a gun, and this gun a is a revolver. So. Uh, also, lot confirmed. <laughs> no, uh, I'm kidding. But uh, yeah, it's it's a pretty interesting shot. For for one, he has no uh, mocap on yet, so I think they are rehearsing. And in the back, you can see the storyboards for the scene. It's it seems like pretty long, and they they even blurred it out. So uh, it's it's sensitive information. Um, yeah. But the yeah the most interesting thing I guess is that Matt's character will actually uh, hold a gun and. Um, he's not um, because in the trailers for now he was like this this spectral being that could control skeletons and just make water appear with the gesture of his hand and all that Um, so maybe he will make uh, uh, he will have like a transition in in the game like maybe he is like a normal human at first uh, shooting guns with Sam or, or against him or something and then he will become like this Goop monster, yeah, or god <laughs> or something, yeah. yeah. And there is uh, wow. the baby is all also in the scene somewhere because Kojima. There's this picture of Kojima doing his best Lion King impression, holding up the baby yeah. with his <laughs> hands. Yeah, you saw. Yeah, see that meme I sent in the chat. <laughs> Me and Death Stranding news. Oh yeah, I did. See yeah, that. yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And honestly, honestly, I'm getting kind of tired of Kojima's teases of of mocap. I think he should be, uh, he should be courteous like other indie developers and like post just a little screenshot of I don't know like a script page or like a a little gif a, a of plant. a cool animation they made for Death Stranding or something like or it's even always... something batshit crazy. Like I would totally love, you know, to see Thomas the Tank Engine over sam you know like some e- e- even something <laughs> stupid yeah. like that would be fun well, but. <laughs> goku writing goku writing uh thomas the tank engine yeah you know <laughs> oh god something crazy like that i feel like even just a screenshot of a plant mm. just like working on some new textures you know yeah, yeah something yeah, like that yeah, like that new animations and like a little like a little short little gif of a plant moving in the rain 
or whatever. Yeah, I just like, tech stuff. Or like, cool. like that. That's kind of stuff would be amazing to see. You know, like, it's like yeah. maybe like time fall on a plant and then just growing and dying, growing and dying. Yeah, but if you guys think you about know, it, if really you guys cool. think about it, if he was doing what we're asking right now, we wouldn't be talking about it as much. He he knows how to play on our frustrations yeah. and our cravings for Death Stranding news. Uh, you can, what you can bet does. I can talk an hour about concepts. a growing and dying plant. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I no, feel like it's, it's just like right now, it's so dry right now. And like, so the thing dry. is, it's like, it's like, it's like <laughs> he's not dripping, you know, information into a pool. It's more like mm. he's just like filling up a cup and like throwing it at us. It. And then just, just like, you know, yeah, just like throwing it in our face and it's just like, okay, wait five more months to get more water and it's like leaves and then come back one day with a bucket and throws it on us you know i feel like if he just had you mm. know had a had a faucet on very low you know just kind of filled up the cup you know and then splashed okay. it on us you know instead of just going like psh, yeah none of that ice bucket challenge shit <laughs> yeah but well guys but, but at least it's nice to know that uh, that there's progress being made Mats Mikkelsen yeah. is acting uh, in some scene or another, so yeah, yeah, we'll wait and see. Well, yeah, I think that's a good way to just end yeah, the podcast. Man, guys, you know. That's a really good place to sign off, so I'll go ahead and start it. Uh, Death Stranding Podcast is part of the Interactive Artistry Podcast Network. Make sure to give us five-star reviews on iTunes, uh, reach us on Podbean. You can also look for us on twitter.com slash deathstrandpod, instagram.com slash Podcast. We're also on Tumblr, Facebook, YouTube, under Interactive Artistry. And as a closing note, I'd like to remind everyone that we're happy to take any feedback on this podcast because we want it to be the best it possibly can. And do you guys want to shout out any of your social media accounts or anything? Mm. Yeah, you can find me at Coffee Bonson on uh, Twitter and in the Reddit. And yeah, just just hit me up, say hi. And uh, oh yeah, send us uh, voicemails if you want. So we can play them on the podcast. That oh, yeah, that would be cool. I really like that. Yeah. And if you have any interactions, great. Uh, but if you want to know, follow me on Twitter at MarshallVirgil underscore. Um, I think we can just put in the description of all our handles. And uh, that's where you can find me. I talk about movies, games, thoughts about stuff like that. So, yeah, that's where you can catch me uh, on there. I'm thinking about maybe streaming on Twitch soon. So cool beans, man. Stay tuned for that. And what cool about beans, you, man? Uh, you can, you guys can find me uh, Justice for Wardo, all one word, the number four, uh, on Twitter and Instagram. I don't. It's very bare bones. I don't post much, but when I do, it's usually about this podcast and other things. I'm always happy to have a conversation, and I try to on Twitter, especially. So. Uh, if you guys want to go the extra mile and support us on Patreon, by all means, you can start with a dollar a month. No pressure, of course, at patreon.com slash interactive artistry. Also on Patreon or patron.podbean.com slash deathstranding. But that about does it for all of us dudes. And remember to tell your parents, yeah. siblings, lovers, pets <laughs> to look out for us each week. And take care, everyone. And remember, the game has already begun.